0: Hey everybody, this is my new voice. Welcome to Hit Rewind Podcast, the podcast devoted to old-time radio voices. And I better not do that because the fucking bleeds. (laughs) All Alright everybody, hi. How's it going? What about cheese? (laughs) No, the bleeds. Um, Oh. These bleeds? I like cheese. (laughs) Uh, This episode we're discussing six films from 1990. Uh, we're finally into this year, everybody. Uh, I said that we were gonna stop and do it next year, but we're, we kind of got caught up quicker than I thought. And um, but I think after this, especially with how busy the holiday season is, the rest of nineteen ninety is gonna be four episodes per ep- uh, four movies per episode, uh, which is kind of what I do with everybody else. So we might as well just stick to that. Um, so this episode, I will let Jacob guiding me because I have no attention span and I can't remember the list, even though he just told me, <laughs> literally just told <laughs> me. I'm at the end of a long vacation and I kind of want to just go back to bed. I've been eating like a fucking pig, watching all sorts of crazy movies, uh, apologize if I'm yawning. Uh. That's also my sultry voice, ladies. Hello.
1: Wake up. I <laughs> got. <laughs> we
0: don't know the words. I don't know the words. You're just funny. I, can I can't a, either. I just love the song. I can listen to a song a thousand times and still not know the words. It's absurd. I know. They go so fast. It's well, like they I have a, I have a coworker admirable. that has photographic memory with songs, and I have a pornographic memory with, you know, songs. Well, yeah, that could be easy. <laughs> I make dirty <laughs> versions of every single song. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's get to the point, though. Uh, let's start off with our first flick.
1: Yeah, I wanted to get this one out of the way. I felt like it was the weakest leak of the bunch. Uh, Joe versus the Volcano.
0: <gasps> you think this is the weakest of the bunch? No, you, well, you don't personally, think bad, yeah, you don't A think, little. You don't think bad,
1: though. Not terrible, no, but it's like a what the fuck? <laughs> Kind of movie
0: yeah it's from the writer of moonstruck john patrick shanley is one of his only films i believe i think he only did like two or three uh widely dismissed when it came up but it's it's something of a cult following because it has a very particular rhythm and it's it's very unique it's a lot different than what tom hanks was doing at the time and it introduced us to one of the great duos of all time sadly i keep waiting for them to do a fourth movie but it hasn't happened yet
1: what Joe versus the volcano? Like, well, well, that's the beginning of, that.
0: of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. You know, we have this, and then we have Sleepless in Seattle. And you've got mail. Seattle, Where's the Them mail. as grandparents. Right. Oh my god, that's
1: right. She played like four, three or four different parts in this movie. She was that secretary at Joe's old job. She played um, one of his couriers, like you know, the rich man's daughter.
0: Yeah, Lloyd Bridges. And then there pink, was right? the other.
1: Yes. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely bizarre and a little out there. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Or, heck, it just, the one scene that does get me when it's, like, they're on the yacht, and they're heading to the island, and they're fishing, and just Tom Hanks, this physical comedy, like, trying to reel in that fucking big-ass fish, and then it turns out to be a heavy-head shark.
0: Yeah, I just, <laughs> the way he's
1: just moving around and, like, trying to get in control of it, it's, like, it's all him. And yeah. it's
0: just absolute genius. I, I feel for his character so much because... I have been and am currently in one of these kind of jobs. It's not as bad now, where it's just like this re- repetitive horseshit in a job. You're so miserable and you feel sick all the time because of it, and a lot of it's just mental. You know, you're very depressed. And uh, he goes to a doctor. He's been going to doctors over and over and over to see what's wrong with him. And uh, told by Robert Stack, that he has a brain cloud. I'm doing quotation marks like you could see that. Uh, brain cloud or whatever and that he's gonna die and then he's presented this situation to go to this island and if he sacrifices himself the uh, Lloyd Bridges the businessman uh, it can trade it off you know their supplies for his sacrifice So he decides to go and along the way it's a wacky adventure with three different versions of Meg Ryan and he learns that he wants to live I think it's a very life affirming hey. fun story it,
1: oh, it definitely is overall I just uh, – oh, God, even that scene where he's with the limo driver, he's like, look, I'm not going to tell you who you are or what you are. Uh, I'm just here to drive you around. <laughs> and he gets him this whole life lesson, and then he ends up just like kind of being buddy-buddy with the guy. So yeah. that was a nice little heartfelt moment. But again, at the end, how <laughs> – so when they get to that island, it's like they're all like hopped up on orange soda. And Ape is the chief, and Nathan Lane's the little shaman. Yeah. <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah,
0: this is a what for me. This is a what the fuck. Kind yeah, of this is like, kind of the, the world's hell? introduction to Nathan Lane. Now, mind you, he wouldn't get big for he would he would do this like every three years. So he would uh, he would appear in Life with Mikey, which is one of his biggest roles, but that would be bombed. And then he kind of went back to do stage stuff. And then it was Birdcage that really blew him up. And then Mouse Hunt right after that, which was a, a cult hit. Uh, but this is kind of our, the world's introduction, because I think he'd only done stage and TV at this point.
1: Right, yes. He's definitely known for that, and he's absolutely wonderful at it.
0: Oh, oh wait, fuck. Even I'm forgetting remember... the biggest thing. I forgot everybody got introduced to his voice with uh, Lion King.
1: Also, didn't he do a movie with uh, Bette Midler about... Uh... The Valley of the Dolls?
0: Uh, yeah, that old, not that old feeling, what is that? Isn't she great? I think that was 99 or 2000. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't see Nathan Lane anymore, but for a while there he was everywhere, and I love watching him. I just, I have no idea what he's doing now. Maybe he's back doing stage, because uh, the last thing I remember was the producers. What
1: was that, and a lot of stage. I remember there was like a live reading of uh, The Wizard of Oz. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, but That's I think that. I like, think you know he was
1: the cowardly lion.
0: This is kind of the lull in Tom Hanks's career because uh, after Big, uh, he did um, Punchline, which bombed. Uh, Turner and Hooch, which did okay, but I don't I don't think critics liked it. And then he did this, which it didn't do very well, and critics were very cold to it. And then Bonfire of the Vanities, which was a huge flop, critically and commercially. And I think he was lost for a little while. I and mean, if it wasn't for uh, his role in A League of Their Own. I don't know where his career would be right now.
1: Oh my gosh, I don't know. I mean, I honestly still think it would be where it's at. He might have just gotten there, uh, like maybe a little bit later. Yeah, a different, a different. However, way. yeah, yeah. However, uh, the ending though—they jump. They, well, Meg Ryan, you know, they both like get married right by a pagoda. He ends up falling in love. And they jump in and sacrifice themselves in the volcano, and the volcano rejects them. Just to get C. Like what the hell? It's like something. It's like they tried to do something like this, and they still can't get it done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So what is our next film?
1: Okay, the next one. I've never seen this before, but I absolutely enjoy it. I mean, Kevin Klein again, uh, especially after a fish called Wanda. I love you to death.
0: Yeah. This is. Uh, <laughs> I think this is his post uh, Oscar nomination role. His first one, and it's kind of low key for him, which I'm kind of. I kind of respect. Because he could have made a big paycheck, could have started some big vehicle. Um, and, and he picked something with his friend Lawrence Kasdan, who had, I think had just done Accidental Tourist. And got together mm. just a bunch of really good actors to play a very low-key story set basically in one God, house. Yes. In one bar. And it's a true story of this uh, lady who wants to kill her husband because he won't stop cheating on her. And she involves her mother um, and uh, the the young man in town that's in love with her and two fucking idiots. Gloriously <laughs> yes. wonderful idiots uh, played by uh, yes. William Hurt and Keanu Reeves and it's, oh my god. I don't know who's better. Th- this is a movie packed to the hilt with great actors. Joan Plowright, um, uh, River Phoenix, River Phoenix, and why am I forgetting? Tracy Alma?
1: Um. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Tracy Ullman. I absolutely love. Yeah. That. And there's he cameos it throughout
0: totally it, uh, but it's mainly those guys. And just the fact that he fucking won't die. <laughs> he just won't die. <laughs> the spoilers. I never... They shoot him numerous I... times. They load him up with poison. How much spaghetti can one fucking man eat?
1: <laughs> exactly. I know. I'm like giving him all those sleeping pills and every. In fact, the sleeping pills are what safe Are what saved him from bleeding out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And this all I know, really happened.
1: <laughs> oh my god, it's just so bad shit. <laughs> but it just plays it off so well. Again, River Phoenix. Well, River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves were like, you know, both like best friends. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, just to see them two together, like you know, outside of my own private Idaho, was pretty good. Yeah, my I favorite mean, scene yeah. is
0: after all of this, after all of that goes down, he gets out and you see William Hurt and Keanu Reeves. I think they're headed off to jail. And uh, they're like, uh, hey, how's it going, man? And uh, they start talking. <laughs> Keanu Reeves goes, who is this? And he goes, it's the guy that we shot. Oh, hey, how you doing? <laughs> He's <looking laughs> see, No, the whole time they're contemplating,
1: you know, on how to kill him uh, between William Hurt and Keanu Reeves, I'm just like, oh, my God. They can't even make up their minds. I mean, yeah, they were, like, you know, Addicts, but uh, <laughs> if they're all like, getting philosophical about you know what if he's like you know judging us what if he's gonna come back after us all this shit i like, laughing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's so good, it, but it's good that and the, the, uh uh of Joe versus Volcano are kind of forgotten I think.
1: Right, I will say this about um I love you I just love how it starts off with Kevin Klein just going in um, confessing and just saying like i cheated on my wife seven times no wait no that was that many times that week and this week and no this week i cheated on her this many times like jesus (laughs) (laughs) and then he actually sleeps with um phoebe cates who's his actual wife in real life
0: yeah and uh (laughs) uh, i think victoria jackson's in this i can't remember who played the cops though i feel like philip bosco maybe one of them but uh, and they're just trying to figure out what's going on and the story yes. gets around. It's, I just thought it was a really funny little tale and, and nothing big, but I just, it's a very enjoyable uh, cast.
1: Mm-hmm. And it made me want to eat pizza. Yeah.
0: All right, what is our next movie?
1: <laughs> okay, next one. Does, um, speaking of pizza, of course, this was one of my favorites growing up and I still love it to this day. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the live-action movie. Uh Jim Henson the uh, Jim Henson Company were the ones who produced and did the animatronics.
0: Right. And Golden and, Harvest I think funded it and then New Line Cinema did the distribution.
1: And my god, I still love it to this day. It's I think so it still good. holds up pretty it's well. It's
0: so fucking good compared to the sequels, the unwatchable miserable piece of shit sequels. I'm sorry, at the time I even knew something was up in part 2. I will not discuss any of the sequels. This is it for me, baby. Uh, I saw this twice in the theater. Um, the second time uh, was because uh, I had a, such a migraine the first time I could barely focus. And uh, oh. I, I wanted to finish the movie, but my head was exploding. And so I came back uh, the next week to watch it again. And I was like, oh yeah, this is the fucking shit. I brought my sister and my dad with us. And it's so funny. It moves so well. The puppets are excellent. The thing that they pull back on in the sequels is okay, so in the second one, there really isn't much violence. And it's not funny. But it tries to be funny. And t- what it Tomar and Razak or whatever fucking stupid names that they came up with? Oh, yeah. they're the baby.
1: Yeah. Stupid. No, they tried to get them to fight actual villains rather
0: than just the Shredder. Yeah, I mean, but why I did, did they the- bring in Rocksteady and Bebop? It makes no fucking sense, man. Uh, and then the mm, third I- one, I think the the plot is interesting, but I think the animatronics are fucking strange. They just shake like crazy.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen the third one but I don't know I feel like the second one really holds up very well and again everybody's eating pizza at the beginning it's like damn it how long, want pizza yeah. hold on pause the movie pause uh, the movie
0: there's, there's so many scenes in this I mean the, the fact that it's dark and has cussing has real violence in it uh, that there's real life and death uh, possibilities with these characters and it sticks so much closer to the original comic I think this is top notch I know it only cost $13 oh, million. At-, at the time this was the most expensive New Line Cinema movie $13 million. Yeah, in 1990. Yeah, they were a little scrappy company. Now, Freddie built that house, but I'm telling you what, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles refurbished that fucker.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know um, Seth Rogen is producing the new one that's going to be coming out. And honestly, I have faith, because he's done such a great job with the boys on uh, Amazon. I like
0: like Green Hornet. I'm sorry. I know no one else does. I like Green Hornet quite a bit. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the hate too much from that one. Yeah, either. the the ones by I don't get it. Uh, Michael Bay, I just, I can't go for it. They're ugly as shit. There's no personality, <laughs> and I just don't want all that CGI. I want him to pull back a little bit and make more physical. Mm. But I really think Jim yeah, Henson I- came through. He gave him so much personality. To this day, um, I still remember like how the mouth movements were so good.
1: Oh, God, I know. Seriously. That- Again, uh, just Jim Henson. He was a work of he was a genius. Yeah. Let's not deny that. Um, also, uh, I will say this about the Michael Bay movies: the personality they had personality, but it was Michael Bay. Yeah. It's like he produced it. He produced it. He didn't direct it. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. dude, we get it. Fuck the frat boy joke. This is Ninja Turtles, and for God's sake, enough. Like, seriously, any other moment now uh, where a character was trying to be funny, if it was it was outside if it was outside the turtles' domain. Then, yeah, no, it wasn't funny. I couldn't even laugh. I'm like, can we fast forward this? And the, the second one, I'll admit, was a bit better.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit better, yeah.
1: yeah. That's not much considering Michael Bay still has his fucking hands all over him. Yeah.
0: Um, I can't even remember who directed this one. Uh, I know Michael Pressman did the second one. Um, good lord. But he did a, a pretty good job. I should look, I would look this up if I had the internet. Um Hold on. I'll look right now. Yeah, look while on. I expand on this. Uh, Elias Cotillas is inspired casting as Casey Jones. Uh, also Casey oh, Ryback. God, he was awesome. <laughs> that's from Under Siege. Uh, but Casey Jones is fucking great. I love Elias Cotillas in this. Um, I love Judith Hogue and I don't know why they replaced her. They said that she was too homely, and I'm like, is she supposed to be a fucking babe? I think somewhere along the way, we decided that she had to be a babe, and that's just not how I see. Oh, um, what is her character? What did I just say? I just said it. Judith Hogue as... April O'Neil. April O'Neil. Goddamn. My brain is going. i really worried. I'm about to turn 45 and I think I need to get some ginkgo biloba.
1: <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Half-life. You're on a half-life.
0: Um, I think that... Oh my god. <laughs> uh, now... Steve Barron. That was the director. Steve Barron. Uh, I only know what... I don't know what he did. I know he did Electric Dreams before this. He was a, a video director. Um, He would do like uh, stuff for MTV. Um, what Did it say what he did? I know he did that Pinocchio movie with JTT. That's right, kids. My generation doesn't call him Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Your generation doesn't even know who he is. We call him JTT. Um, yeah, I, I know he did something in the middle. Was it Surf Ninja, maybe? Um, but I think... I don't think he did the action. I think that's what makes the big difference. I think whoever did whoever did the action for all these movies is a different crew. And I think that's where Golden Harvest comes in. Because... Uh, fighting was their, you know, nom de plume. They uh, did uh, so many of those Jackie Chan films, and I think it holds up so well. But the, the one-liners in here are so much fun. When they're fighting, and he's trying to come up with uh, uh, shell-shocked, and you know, like, uh, I, uh, you know, all, all these uh, words, and Corey Feldman's just yeah. like... Sorry, I know not Corey Feldman, Michelangelo. Or wait, no. what Did he play Donnie? Corey Feldman played Donnie, right? Yeah, Corey okay. Feldman was the voice of Donnie. Um when he's like too derivative <laughs> stuff like that just like his gnarly <laughs> um, chevy nova <laughs> turtle wax <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, what uh what Absol- is your favorite oh, who's your favorite
1: it's always been michelangelo i always just love how he's just like wilding out there and just the wacky one but yeah. again his nunchuck skills top notch
0: raf i love his luck lo- i think raf is so boring his tough sh- you know just and of course it was smart of them to have his ass kicked first and take him out of it. Whereas, you know, then they had to uh, go to the farm and kind of, you know, retrain to, you know, face down Shredder. But taking Raph out of it and making him eat some humble pie was a brilliant move.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, of course. Raph was always, like, headstrong and just defiant. I mean, mean, he was, like, the toughest of them. And they need him, for sure. But to be smacked in the face.
0: Yeah, but also, it forced Donnie, and, and Donnie's my favorite, uh, Donnie and Mike to grow up a bit, you know, uh, and then uh, Leonardo, of course, is the, you know, the leader, the cool, calm, collected one. Uh, I would say the most boring of all of them, though. Um, oh, he has and, oh, of course, he usually has to be, but yeah, there is
1: one scene, um, again, honestly, it's uh, cemented in my mind whenever the song Tequila plays, when they're doing the little dance. Yeah. That, the Pee Wee Herman dance and uh, Sandlot when they're on the little Tilt-A-Whirl after chewing tobacco.
0: My, Those uh, three
1: scenes I are, had, again, ingrained.
0: I had, with this, that uh, I had this soundtrack. I listened to it nonstop. Um, every time I think of this movie, I think of that part where they go to the underground uh, hand shelter. The foot? The mm. foot, not the hand. That's from Daredevil. That's what they were spoofing. The foot clan and uh, their underground headquarters for the teenagers. And they're skating around and so like that. And they play that mc hammer song do it do it do it do it do it it's my body my body whatever I, I always remember that um uh, but of course the big one that come out of this that actually made the top 40 was the t-u-r-t-l-e power uh which has burned into my head yeah. forever but it's so funny because there's certain people who know that version and then there's a big group of people who only know the cartoon theme song
1: oh gosh yeah the cartoon theme song was indeed uh, iconic legendary But this, uh, I think this uh, score, the score itself, I think, was just very memorable. Oh, yeah.
0: It's, uh, I mean, you were, what, three? Were you two or three at the time? 88 or 87? I I can never remember.
1: I was born in 88. I was two at the time. Okay,
0: so you don't know the phenomenon that came after this movie. The cartoon did okay. There was a miniseries, and the comic book had a lot of buzz. The fact that they even put $13 million into this is insane, because it still wasn't a mainstream hit. The toy line and the shirts had just come out as the movie had come out. I wore a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shirt, a, a sweatshirt, and nobody knew who the fuck oh. they were, and they made fun of me. Thought I was a child. I was, I had just turned thirteen, and I hid it under the sink, pretending that I wore it to school because my mother's like, "We're not wasting good money on sweatshirts that you won't wear." <laughs> so I would go to school in a t-shirt and freeze my ass off. Um, okay. Sorry, that was a side note. What? I was like those bastards. The uh, they and then, of course, of then of course, like a month later, everybody's like, "Ah, oh, it's here. it's your Ninja Turtles," and it came back out. <laughs> um But they were on Pizza Hut special stuff. They had a band going around. They were on Oprah. It was just a mega bomb, and I can't believe a mega bomb, as in pop culture wise. Um, I just can't believe it was almost as big as the Batman uh, phenomenon a year before.
1: God, seriously, and that took. That like perfected the summer blockbuster. Yeah. That set a standard.
0: Uh, what is it, 130 million? I think this brought in in America alone, and it just whoa. I'm, I might be wrong, but I know it was way above 100, and it really just established New Line Cinema as someone to take seriously. Um, what are your feelings? How did you discover this?
1: Oh God, VHS. Um, my mom would put it on uh, to entertain us, and we would just like pretend. You know, we were all the turtles and do all sorts of shit. We were little kids, yeah. you know, that's what we do. Oh man, I but, man that... it always gave me a hankering for pi- pizza.
0: Yeah, there's uh, the. It was one of the very first VHS tapes you could buy uh, on release date at 1999 from FHE. No one knows what the hell that is, it's Family Home Entertainment, I don't know who owned it. <laughs> yeah, No. oh my god, that's an old name, I haven't heard yeah. that in so long. Well, that oh. is it for me on Ninja Turtles. Um, anything else you want to say before we go to the next film?
1: I will say this. NECA, which is like one of those uh, little toy companies, they buy the rice and they make these like really detailed, scaled figures. Mm-hmm. They like What they've done with uh, these movie-based uh, designs, again, it's just absolutely beautiful. <clears throat> I know I, see them on sa- I, I would see them on sale. I would see them advertised. Heck, I even saw one of uh, the Shredder or... Uh, uh a ninja foot clam when i was uh when i was doing some shopping like uh, in the outlets there was like this toy store there and they would have this one displayed and like damn
0: you know what i would just curl my toes over is if they made a sam rockwell figure because <laughs> this is kind of the first time anybody ever saw him was in this movie
1: <laughs> yes oh god i was about to point that out too yeah sam rockwell i was like holy shit young sam rockwell Just a little teenage punk in New York. Yeah. Working for the shredder.
0: That's the other thing is this feels grimy. The second one shot in Toronto to save money. And then the third one, I think, is shot in Hawaii. It's pretending to be Japan. I can't remember. But there's something authentic and gritty about the way they filmed this in in actual New York.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no. Especially with some of the areas they filmed. That one more scene that scene with the uh, Domino's pizza guy it's like oh gosh I couldn't blame him it's like <laughs> 253rd and an 8th <laughs> wise men say forgiveness is divine but never pay full price for a late pizza
0: you almost went into a Christopher Walken there can you do that as if Christopher Walken got hired to play a Ninja Turtle ok
1: wise men say you know forgiveness is divine but never pay full price for a late pizza
0: Jesus <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I would sorpresa it. sorpresa alright what is my next uh, movie
1: <laughs> next movie oh uh, I, I, I watched this um, I think first time sophomore year in US history class and it was
0: memphis bell and, <laughs> and i was <laughs> hoping for... you were gonna say total recall damn it <laughs> oh no i'm saving. i'm saving that one for like
1: i'm saving that one for like second to last
0: okay okay <laughs> that was hilarious right, actually no i'll
1: sa- i'll save that one for last
0: i, I got my <laughs> teacher uh i convinced my teacher to let us watch gremlins 2 in english class once so that was fun ah oh my god that's so cool. <laughs> that'll be coming up in uh-huh. the next episode for sure um Yes, I love it. Uh, well, yeah, so Memphis Bell I think, is one of the great unsung World War II movies. It's, I think someone at the time criti- criticized it for being young guns, but the World War II version. I was like, how the fuck do you see that? All these young actors playing. I was like, yeah, who do you think served in World War II? <laughs> young people. Exactly. <laughs> they saw too many like, damn John the Wayne fuck? movies.
1: Exactly, I know it was just ridiculous. It was ridiculous, but it was quite a cast of characters. You got Tate Donovan, you got Matthew Modine, each playing the Parker specifically. Billy Zane. Billy Zane
0: looked like Tony Stark. Yeah, I was actually shocked. Yeah, whenever whenever I see him, I'm like, oh wow, that is a look that works for him.
1: Absolutely, like he could pull off Clark Gable, like very similar to George Clooney as well. Yeah. And there was a reason why he there was a reason why he was a male model and picked as the shadow.
0: We have uh, Uh, Phantom Courtney Gaines from The Burbs and Children of the Corn. As one of the gunners. I can't remember the other blocky guy that's with him. Uh, Sean Aston in the bubble. Um, yes. I feel like there's some other people in here we're missing.
1: There was the guy who played, there was Virgil, he, and then there was the other gunner. The other gunner who, uh, <laughs> the one who got graced in the late, the one who, he uh, yeah, had the sign on his back that said, didn't get laid last night. That one.
0: Yeah, I have to look at this camera. Oh, oh, oh DB Sweeney. DB Sweeney's in this. I love it. my sister. Yeah, and the I, navigator. My sister and I always say the name, Day by Sweeney. Fuck it, I don't know why. It's an inside joke.
1: <laughs> day
0: by Sweeney. And
1: sounds like Boris got now. So this this like, is a perfect
0: uh, pairing with that episode of Amazing Stories. Uh, I think it's called The Flight. Um, where uh, it's Keeper Sutherland Kevin Costner as the pilots and, and uh, uh, Casey Simesco stuck in the bubble. Did you ever see this episode?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Um, I believe it's the third episode. Spielberg directed it and it's uh, they're in, they're in a, a battle and the landing gear gets blown out and Casey Simesco gets trapped inside the bubble and they have to land. They're running out of gas and they're going to end up killing him. And, uh, well, something magical happens to save the day. It, it's one of the best episodes. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's it's an unbelievably good episode. It pairs very well with Memphis Bell. Also, if you've seen the new movie Shadow in the Cloud with um, Chloe, uh, Chloe Grace Moret, that also goes very well. But that has more of a sci-fi bent because there's a gremlin on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just like that one say uh
1: that one um
0: oh. twilight zone or bugs bunny whatever. yes that Twilight
1: Zone. <laughs> I, I was just about i was just about to say outer limits i'm like no not outer limits twilight zone yes just like that segment with william shatner with the thing on the plane just assembling it
0: yeah Ugh. but with this movie i think it just really gives a good portrayal of something usually you, you hadn't really seen in movies there's not a lot of uh and i mean you know current within like the last 40 years that's take place on the plane there weren't a lot before that's usually dogfight movies you know um mm-hmm. but about a bomber and their mission i think michael kenton jones is a very good director from england who i think handled this very well. very stylized very tense um and, and uh, emotional and I, I i think it's one of those more humane world war Two movies in a time when we were all about blowing people up we're in that reaganomics you know just ramble go in and yeah
1: oh absolutely it's, you know i, I concur yeah. like it was definitely one of those feel-good ones and just getting to know each character personally i, I like how they use john Lithgow, you know the one interviewing them and trying to bring their story to you know people at home you know to again sell more war bonds you know for war all that you know, profiteering and making money and all that you know, yeah, just yeah. to get all this shit going. But um, again, yeah, I just like how later on.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, you cut out. David Straighthair, yes.
1: Yeah, David And that was his name. Yes, the one who was like overseeing the the, the base commander, who was like telling John Lithgow, I was, like, look, dude, you can't just keep using these kids like that, all right? Look at," and he has to show him the letters to make him realize, "Like, dude." Let them let them have uh, the relaxation and their time off once this thing's over. Especially considering that last mission they flew really just shook them. I mean, Eric Stoltz was wounded.
0: Oh, right. Um, Eric Stoltz is this, yeah. the right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, uh, just every little thing spooked them, especially after seeing that last plane crash at the beginning of the movie. It's, it's like, fuck, that could be them on the next trip. But they try not to think of it. Yeah. Except... And
0: then there's that one
1: part that I found extremely funny was the
0: tomato soup. It's
1: like, I'm oh my god, someone's hit! It's not my blood, it's not mine. It's just tomato soup,
0: Captain. Yeah, this is also based on a true story. Uh, I can't recommend it higher. It's so damn good. It's in my top five World War II movies for sure.
1: Oh god, and uh, Henry Connick Jr. Oh yes, God, this
0: cast is so huge. It's amazing.
1: And again, he can croon. Like that's the first time I just—I think that's the first time I actually discovered him, and like. You know i heard him sing i'm like dang
0: oh great. right because you probably really had seen this before when harry met sally which is how everybody got to know him
1: he wasn't harry met sally
0: he's not but I... he did the soundtrack and then i remember when that came out everybody was talking about like, who's this guy who sounds like frank sinatra and he's done all the talk shows and that kind of led him to being cast in memphis mm.
1: oh okay gotcha all right yeah and it worked out really well for him too i mean again yeah uh it's definitely a movie that should be watched, like you know, during uh, as I say, as as I watched it, uh, sophomore year in U.S. history.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we just passed Veterans Day. It's a good, it's a, it's a fall watch, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, okay, now next okay. movie. Uh, we're almost there. We're almost there. We got we're we got two more left, man. We All finished. right, the final stretch. Okay, this one, another um, comic strip adaptation, just visually beautiful in every sense of the word, and just. Play I, again I still think it holds up and just everything they've done from practical effects to makeup just really made this entire world come to life Dick Tracy by Warren Beatty Fuck,
0: saw this in theaters blown away by it but there is something in this that bothers me now that didn't then Al Pacino leaned into this character for the rest of his career, fucking career it seemed. <laughs> Jesus, all the yelling Al Pacino. He got an Oscar <laughs> nomination for this, and all of a sudden he's like, uh, I gotta do this all the time. <laughs> if you
1: work, police, you will not work <laughs>
0: I don't think Madonna's that great. That was a big thing they pushed. Is the sexual tension between Dick Tracy and Lips Mahoney, and you know in real life it was Madonna and Warren Beatty were getting it on. And the soundtrack was pushed really hard and I couldn't give a fuck less. I'm here for Glenn H- Headley.
1: Yes. Oh, God, yes. It, again. Uh, I'm like, that's who... Tra- it's like, Tracy, be with her. Don't screw around. Don't make it insinuate that something's happening. Focus on her. Yeah.
0: She's so much... girl. I'm sorry. She's so much hotter because she's just a badass. She won't tolerate any bullshit. I uh, have uh, Charlie Corzmo is introduced oh. here, I believe. Uh... Maybe. I think it might be the second movie, but uh, Wonderful is the Kid. I, I know a lot of critics were hard on him, too. Um, I love the look, the way they filmed the special effects, the colors, the costumes, the vehicles. Oh, my God. This was uh, kind of pricey for Disney at the time because they were still a little broke. They only had a couple hits under their belt, and they spent, I think, $50 million. Uh, wasn't intended to cost $50 million, but there was a huge fire at the end. Do you know about this?
1: Was it, like... Uh, when they were filming the shootout scene? Yeah, it
0: actually ate up most of the production lot and they had to pay for it because it got out of control and burnt up so much of it that the cost of rebuilding it had to go back into the movie. Are you there? Hey, I know. Oh. <laughs>
1: yes, I'm here.
0: Sorry, you cut out. You, you, I don't know if you got a new uh, microphone over the last few episodes, but you have this wavering kind of in and out. I don't know what that's about.
1: Anyway, uh, as I was saying, I was at Disneyland, I did see like an old model car, and inside of it like, had this like prop uh, newspaper ad with um, Dick Tracy on it. I'm like, oh, shit.
0: So there's some memorabilia still That's there. That's cool, yeah, because at the time, they pushed this so fucking hard, just like Batman, just like Ninja Turtles. They really thought they were onto something, and it just didn't sell. Most of this stuff ended up in the clearance bin, especially those giant figures, the ones with the real clothes and stuff like that. Well, real in in quotation marks, clothes. uh, And real hair. Again, quotation marks, hair. Um, And I just... For some reason, it didn't make the bonanza money that everybody thought it would, just like Batman. It only made like 105 or something like that. When you spend $50 million back then and you don't even make Ninja Turtles money, that that hurts a little bit. And then we had the one-two punch next year with Rocketeer. I love those movies dearly, but they... They did not help the studio whatsoever.
1: I feel like they've gotten better with time, for sure. I oh, I mean, it definitely feels like a period piece uh, when it comes to Dick Tracy. I, yeah, I Even love. though it's, not, it's an entirely fictional universe, but yeah. my God, it's just so beautifully done.
0: The noir look is absolutely something I go for in movies. Um, I remember reading the comic strips and being shocked how how violent it was. This was in a Sunday strip, you know, a daily strip. There was blood, people getting their heads blown off. Not, not literally blown off, but I mean, they uh. constantly getting shot, and there'd be blood, and I was like, this is a comic strip? Things were different, I guess, before the Hays Act or something. Um, and, uh, it's just one of those franchises that somehow survives, even though Warren Beatty sat his huge fucking penis on the rights for decades. Do you know about this? He had some sort of loophole in his contract that if he made anything with Dick Tracy either for film or TV he got to keep the rights no matter what oh
1: wow nah I did not know that so it's pretty much just he's lord and master over it regardless so, of like Disney's property right uh, so any kind of a property right.
0: he didn't have the rights to the original strip so that continued mm. and a brilliant writer named Max Allen Collins came in in the 90s and started writing for it he's known for Road to Perdition uh, and lots of crime novels, oh, wow. but um, they couldn't do anything with Dick Tracy, and just as the rights were about to come up, um, you know, so they could get him back and sell him to somebody else who would do something with it, fucking Warren Beatty hires Leonard Maltin to do a special for AMC that aired once, like at midnight on a Tuesday, and it was an interview with Dick Tracy, as if he was a real person reflecting back on his career, with Leonard Maltin. Dick Tracy's a 1920s character. Leonard Moulton... <laughs> what the fuck? He wasn't playing... <laughs> Leonard Moulton was not playing a fictional character. Leonard Malton was playing Leonard Moulton. And that's how he got to keep the rights again. But I'm... Somewhere in the last five years or whatever, he finally let it go. He finally let it go. So there's comic books again of it again, and I just, I just don't know if anybody ever do a TV series of it, but I would love to see a continuation. Oh Jay yeah, Hamm- somewhere Disney. John I mean, you think Hamm. Disney Plus could do something? Yes. Oh god, have you seen all their announcements lately? Mm-hmm. Uh, caught bits and pieces. They they say anything about Dick Tracy or Rocketeer? They they are doing a new Rocketeer, right? Or did it give up?
1: Not that I'm aware. Of. I didn't hear anything about Rocketeer, but I heard some stuff. I mean, they showed some clips of She Hulk. They showed some clips of Moon Knight. A lot of their Marvel properties. Uh, they did mention some behind the scenes stuff with Willow, okay. and I'm kind of intrigued by the supporting cast. So I'm like, oh god, this is, okay? I'm. I can't wait to see this, but I just love how it's like this meta version of Warwick Davis, where he's just like (laughs) over these little kids, and he's trying to make it about him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, I love how he makes fun of of himself. It's great. This cast, Dick Tracy or Warren Beatty, must have cashed in all of his favors to get all of these people to show up: James Caan, Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, um, Madonna. um, Trying to remember, uh, shit, he was in Princess Bride. Why can't I think of his name? Uh, uh, Fuck, Uh, Neil Montoya. And Mandy Patinkin. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's so many people in this. It just, it's Paul Servino. Un- Paul Servino. Ooh, it was Lips Mahoney or Lips Manless, whatever his name was. Uh, what, what the fuck is his name? Yeah,
1: like, Lips Manless.
0: Yeah, that's disgusting. I think the winner, though, of all of these is, uh, what's his fucking Flat-top? name? Flat Top. Flat Top, thank you, but what's his name? Um, oh, God. Oh, he- no, it's on the tip of my tongue. I've seen him on, on I got it on my face. Hold I got on. one of his movies right here. Give me a second. You just fill in the dead air one. William something. William. Forsythe. Oh, check- yes. Oh, yes. Check-
1: oh, God. I, I, as a kid, I wanted to punch Flat Top so badly. Oh, really yeah. He's so
0: fucking awesome. that?
1: Yes, exactly. That's how good he was. I just want to punch him. Isn't it amazing? Oh, they
0: had... Did he only ever plan on one Dick Tracy movie? Because he murders everybody. Everybody dies. <laughs> what the fuck? But yeah. Oh. oh, they
1: had Seymour Cassell,
0: uh, J- Charles Derning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's a really fun movie, but looking back, I'm like, oh, they shouldn't have let Al Pacino just ride this obnoxious train for so long.
1: <laughs> I still can't get over him, like, yelling in that little board meeting. Oh, God, James Tolkien was in this, too, along with yeah. R.G. Armstrong.
0: Whenever I think of Dick Tracy, I think of later when Al Pacino was in The Devil's Advocate. God is an absentee landlord. <laughs> It's like fucking Dick Tracy <laughs> let you do that, <laughs> damn it!
1: Oh, Dustin Hoffman has Mumbles, baby goat. Is he saying baby goats? did he say? <laughs> <laughs> they slow it
0: down. Uh, uh, yeah. Big one, maybe do it. Big one, maybe do it. Um. All right. So. What <laughs> what we, <laughs> fucking
1: blubbering and crying. <laughs> like, what is uh, our final film? Our final film is a Paul Verhoeven, and for me, I grew up watching it as well, and it has one of the most. Uh, the smallest yet most memorable little uh, tidbits in sci-fi history. Uh, a three-boobied a three woman on yeah. Mars. <laughs> Total recall.
0: Fucking stupid moment. <laughs> That's still ridiculous. I, Paul <laughs> Verhoeven is the only director I know that was given bazillions of dollars to make movies that were fucking making fun of us. Seriously. Robocop is the one that's not it's funny and it's satirical, but it doesn't seem like he's fucking with us. After that he was like, Yeah, I'm gonna take these studio movies and just screw with everybody. I like a Starship Troopers, Showgirls. He is he is what u wants to be. But u doesn't have the talent or the sense of humor. There's something so exactly. goddamn gloriously insane. I even like the total recall remake. But it sticks closer to the book, and it's not funny, and it's not outrageous. There's something so memorable about every crazy fucking choice made in this movie, and it could have been so boring. It was almost Richard Dreyfus in 1982. Can you imagine? Oh, gee, no, uh -uh. uh-uh. Absolutely not. Yeah, and in 1988, it was almost Patrick Swayze, and then it ended up at Arnold Schwarzenegger's hand. He's like, yeah, I got to do this. Yeah. Oh, I will have a lot of... Do you think this is the real quaid? It is! <laughs> uh, that part oh, is so only many memorable part, lines. That is the only part of the movie that doesn't make sense to me, and I almost don't care. Look, I, it's a movie with insane rules, and, and none of it's real. I get this. There's a part where literally a, a shitty head is pulled off another person's head, which also looks shitty, <laughs> and I will take it because it's Rob Bottin's effects, and it was before CGI, and he just did what he could. Um... But there's a scene when, like, later when they use that hologram material, do you remember when they open fire and they're not hitting each other? They're literally across from each other, shooting at the Quaid wow, what hologram. The hell? How are they not hitting each other? That would have been hilarious if they just wiped each other out A fucking, and then, uh, and then they changed the rules later, because remember when, I can't remember her name, Rachel Takodin's character. Um, yes. Oh, God, yes. But she pulls out oh. They shoot each other because she's a hologram. So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <sighs> ah.
1: God, okay. well, it was a little bizarre oh and again like uh, the Stan Winston effects too you, it's like seriously
0: no no not Stan Winston Rob Oteen.
1: oh oh damn it was very similar to Stan Winston yeah was I don't he know like what a Stan, protege I,
0: I actually don't know what Stan Winston was working on at the time uh, Rob Teen is Rick Baker's protege from back in the early 80s um, uh, Rob Teen became a star because this is a long wind story everybody sorry Rick Baker was supposed to do American Werewolf in London, but it took so long to get in production that The Howling was ready to go, and they hired Rick Baker. And then all of a sudden, American Werewolf in London is ready to go, and Rick Baker had to quit. So he got his protege, Rob Bottin, to do these special effects, and there he became a star. Uh, And and after that, he does The Thing. And then, you know, the movie started the year, but The Thing that connected to Paul Verhoeven is he designed RoboCop. Ah, and he does blasted. a lot of the oh, creature God. yeah and he does a lot of the creature effects for Starship Troopers he's retired now like almost all great special effects guys are retired now but this was his showcase I mean and he does a great job with some of these mutants Quato looks amazing uh, Benny with his fucking weirdo arm um, Benny the, the three tit thing is still so <laughs> stupid but I like uh, what's the guy from Breaking Bad I can't remember his name the bald guy but he has a piece that goes over his eye and he has to wear that the whole time. Looks like half his face is melted. Um, Not Robert Cranston, right? No, I can't remember his I can't remember the guy's name. But um, but this movie is just loaded to the guilt with What? What? Wait, hold on. Who? Where? What? <laughs> hold on, let me rewind this. I've seen the movie like 60 times now. And I get all of it. But the first time I saw this, I was so confounded. I was also disgusted. I was maybe 14. It was so fucking gross. I didn't know how to handle it. And I remember hating this movie. And then like four years later, I saw it again on a VHS tape a friend made with um... Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't with Universal Soldier. This is one of those uh, where you'd find it at Kmart for five bucks. Back then, a five dollar movie, brand new, was almost impossible to find but the company was going out of business and they desperately needed to sell Mm. copies. So, that. But yeah, then I watched Total Recall a bunch and I fell in love with it.
1: Oh, absolutely. I can't help but fall in love with it. Especially with Arnold, the, Arnold's, like, um, some of Arnold's lines, just, like, just from saying Benny or, um, Benny, or- screw you, <laughs> oh no, shit, shit, drive, drive, Johnny Cab,
0: <laughs> hi, Mr. Johnny Cab, how are you, Rob Picardo, that's who played the voice of Johnny Cab, uh, or the part where he has to pull <laughs> the thing out of his fucking nose, oh my god, how did he even oh, get up yeah. there if it's so big, how does oh, it get oh, in oh. there, <laughs> get your ass to Mars, uh, this is a Mars Michael, Creaky I- divorce, uh, Or what is it he goes Do you want slati or Demure? Slati, Demure <laughs> 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 Fucking yeah, He's
1: trying to remember Oh no Sharon, But Sharon Stone though Like Holy like fuck
0: a, Yeah I mean she'd been established A little bit Before this But this is when Everybody got to know her And this is how she got Basic Instinct Yeah no, know She was fucking badass But I still lot. think Rachel's coat is better And I don't I don't understand how she never became a thing i just whatever happened to yeah
1: yeah no i mean she would appear here and there uh in some movies but like nothing major no she should have got moved up
0: she should got moved up to the point where her name is on the poster that's what i'm saying i think she's so damn good in this uh ronnie cox ronnie cox is sleazy as fuck in this but like he was in robocop yeah but this is michael ironside's show and oh, God, yeah. as badass as he is, he villain. fucking runs weird. Why? Why does he have flap it around like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: It's like, was he hurt on the set, on production? No, or? he runs like that. He, I, I, I watched,
0: he, and back in the TV show V, he ran like that too. It's just a thing he does.
1: Mm, okay. <sighs> Roy Brocksmith, though, as the doctor, the one who did the whole created the whole Total Recall thing, I wanted to punch him. I hated, I, I hated his face. <laughs> He just looks so annoying to me, especially with that little um, I you know when he's trying to convince Arnold that he's is still part of a simulation. Oh god, and that he's, he's been that's into a bu-
0: that's a showstopper speech though. When he's telling them that his mind is gonna break, or whatever that he's stuck in his hallucinations, whatever, and he needs to and whatever. I thought that was a hell of a performance.
1: Oh yeah. I know, and he just played the character so well, and I still want to punch him And then he got his
0: brains blown out.
1: (laughs) Everybody gets their (laughs) brains
0: blown out in this. In one way or another, they blow out on their own. (laughs) The fucking scene. How does your body come back to normalcy after what happens to you out in space? (laughs) The
1: the lack of oxygen, I know. The eyeballs are popping out of your fucking skull. (laughs) Exactly. It's like everything's, like, expanding. Oh, God, yeah, Ronnie Cox was dead.
0: Yeah, but when like, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Rachel, Rachel and go through that, they get up at the end after all the oxygen's been blown around the world or whatever, and they just stand up looking at it like, oh, look how beautiful it is. I'm like, sweet fucking Jesus, my eyeballs, put that back in. They're like <laughs> slinkies. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously,
1: I know. There's like a little, card, a little gag of that, I think, in season one of uh, Big Mouth. Where Nick's character, he does that little Awuga because he sees the girls interested. And then yeah. his eyes and his tongue are like plopped out. He's like, "Uh oh, going <laughs> wrong." <What's> going
0: on? <laughs> this summer, uh, I remember seeing an Oprah episode with Siskel and Ebert, and they were talking about how it was the most violent summer ever. And they were talking about how heinous it was, and it was overloaded with sequels. And they're like, "Fucking Total Recall is disgusting. Gremlins Two is gross and pointless. RoboCop Two is horrifying." You know, Die Hard 2 is so insanely violent. And this is the summer that everybody talked about how things were costing 50 and $60 million. You know, another 48 hours, uh, Days of Thunder, which I still cannot sit through. What a boring fucking movie, Days of Thunder. Jesus. But Total Recall was the winner. I think that was the most expensive movie ever made at that point of $65 million from an independent studio.
1: Jesus. I mean, I'm hoping it made its
0: money back. It did. But the problem is with Carol Cole. That's the company that produced it, and if you know the C, right. you know, you know oh, the C. Yes. The C can get confused with Canon. Two different Canon had no money and no taste. Caracol had outrageous taste and lots of money they burned through. But they launched their company basically with First Blood. Then they didn't have another hit until First Blood Part Two, that was massive. Then they got kind of a uh, super positive, I guess, in what they w- were going to make after that and everything bombed between 1986 and 1990. So their next hit was Total Recall, but Total Recall cost so much money and they had to sell it overseas. They made some money, but not a lot. That's the way their movies were. They were pre-sold overseas, so if they made a lot of money. It didn't really make them money. It made other people mm. money. And that's, you know that company Millennium that does like the expendables and stuff like that? That's how yeah. they make movies. They pre-sell the movie overseas. So that the cost isn't too much, but they also don't take in much profit. So what eventually did them in was that, and then Cutthroat Island cost a hundred million dollars, and they oh, made God. and they not only made nothing, they went into the neg negative big time, and that destroyed the company. They were really only around for fifteen years or uh, thirteen years. my math is terrible. Um, but everything they did was so interesting, extreme prejudice. Johnny Handsome, Total Recall, of course, the, the Rambo movies, I only really like the first one. Universal Soldier, Cliffhanger, uh it just goes on on Stargate, stuff like that. Wow.
1: Yeah, no, that definitely is like quite like, quite an amount of taste. I mean shoot, I enjoy Stargate.
0: Yeah. Some most of their movies were sold to other studios though. Uh like Universal Soldier and Total Recall, TriStar released it for them. And nice. so the rights are always out there. Lionsgate or somebody has the rights for it. But there's some movies they made on their own. They didn't pre-sell. They did for just a few million dollars. They released them themselves. Or, or they went with a company that went out of business. And that's why you cannot get Fright Night 2 on DVD or Blu-ray. Because Caracol produced Fright Night 2. They put up the money. And mm-hmm. they in the company they distributed it with, the rights are lost somewhere. And that's why you can only get a bootleg off of YouTube. So, sorry kids. God, Carolco is such a fascinating company because they didn't do themselves in with tons of cocaine and crazy bad ideas like Canon. <laughs> but it takes some it takes some fucking balls to make this, and then in the next year go, yeah, James Cameron, here's a hundred million for Terminator Two. We don't know if anybody's going to show up to make that money back, and that that's fucking balls, man.
1: Oh, God, Yeah, and Terminator 2 was, uh, again, better than the first one, uh, mm. according to most people. I yeah. absolutely enjoyed it. That's the one I grew up on. The with.
0: first one is my favorite, um, but the second one's pretty good. I, I That's a franchise we get to next year with Terminator 2. Ah, um, So ah, that yes. is it with these six movies. Uh, we're going to switch to a four-movie uh, format from now on, I think. Unless we end up with like an odd number. Like If there's only five movies left, we're just going to do five. But um, So Gremlins 2, um, Quick Change... I have it right here somewhere. Where is it? Gremlins 2, Quick Change, uh, My Blue Heaven, and Air America with uh, Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr.
1: Aha! Uh-huh. Oh gosh, always good to see Artie Jr.
0: All these movies bombed, and I think they're all worth watching. Ouch. Yep. Shame. Yep. Hmm. Oh yeah, sure. Air America, another Caracol movie. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs>
1: Okay, that would
0: explain. All right, uh, no That offense. is was everybody. Jacob, where 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 can they find us? In, uh, what's what's the name of this podcast again? My pants are on fire. That's the name of the podcast. Now <laughs> I'm getting loopy, everybody. It is Hit Rewind Podcast. And how do we send them out?
1: All right, Namaste. Good luck, my friends.
0: Was that it? Did you did you just stop? Did you uh, cut out again? No, I thought you.
1: No, I didn't cut out. I uh,
0: I was waiting for you to say something. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were going to say it in half. You usually say it. <laughs> I do, but I was, I'm going to change it to... You are gonna take I'm just... My I'm part just is now... Menu, get, your <laughs> get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. Get to the
1: chopper
0: first. <laughs> to get you to Mars. Come with me to the chopper if you want to live to get to Mars. <laughs> Hold on, I forgot my keys. I'll be right back.